Welcome to Solar Power World's second Top Solar Contractors Roundtable. If you missed the last one on business practices after one year with the coronavirus, you can still watch it on demand on our website. Our contractor roundtables are all in celebration of the 10th anniversary of our Top Solar Contractors list. The 2021 application is currently live on our website, solarpowerworldonline.com, and ready for U.S. contractors to apply from now until May. Our mission at SPW is to help contractors do their jobs better, so we're excited for the opportunity to gather some of the industry's best together to give us their view of the market. We're going to talk about residential solar sales and the desire for mini microgrids. Over the past year, millions of Americans found themselves at home more than ever before, and higher electric bills reflected that new normal. Although many people have returned to offices for work, others may continue using their homes as their primary offices at least part-time. So I'm wondering if this shift has caused more people to consider going solar plus storage. Our residential installation panelists today. From the Northeast, we've got Nate Bowie, head of residential sales for Revision Energy. Representing the West Coast is Kelly Shawhan, founder and co-owner of Semper Solaris. From the Southeast, we have Chris Kasaja, president and CEO of Lightwave Solar. Table, everybody. Start off with Nate from Revision. Um, Nate, can you tell us how you found pandemic and weather events of 2020 impacted people's interests in solar and energy independence? And how did you kind of adapt your sales strategies to capitalize on that? Yeah, Kelsey, ask that question one more time because the beginning of it, beginning of it was cut off. How, how did the pandemic plus the weather events of 2020 impact people's interest in solar and energy independence? Yeah, great, thanks. Um, so um, the the pandemic um, for us in the Northeast is the big one. You know, I, I, I took a quick look and, and there were over 20 um, weather climate disaster events in the United States in 2020, um, totaling 1 billion each. Um, so luckily in the Northeast, none of those huge weather events were directly here um, at home. Um, so the, the pandemic certainly is the thing that is biggest for us. Um, that said, the Northeast has plenty of issues with weather and climate, um, especially when it comes to power outages, because we have a pretty antiquated um, infrastructure, electrical infrastructure, especially here in Maine. Um, and we get our fair share of wind, snow, and ice events every winter. Um, and my home probably had four outages this year, uh, the longest, longest one being, for me, only a day and a half, but plenty of Mainers for you know several days in a row. Um, so yes, we absolutely um, needed to adjust, especially for the pandemic here in the Northeast. Um, what we did see, um, what we did see happening with the pandemic is in you know in February, March, April, May certainly a slowdown um, because everybody was freaking out. Uh, we didn't know what to expect. Um, that all said, we still had lots of leads coming in, um, especially when we were able to start doing. Um, um, some more sales work in, say, late May and June, uh, we had to adapt. Um, you know, we did a lot of things. Uh, we started to, you know, adapt to this new, like, virtual reality, right? Um, you know, our, 
our our sales team especially is extremely educational that's our main focus is to educate our customers so we had to transition how are we going to educate so we started to do more things as a company rather than just on the sales side um, we started to do a lot of webinars we increase the frequency of our blog posts, especially around solar plus storage. Um, we started creating a lot of videos um, to for our sales team to be sharing with customers. Um, so some of the some of the things, the tools that we started using, um, uh, especially on the residential sales side, um, is interactive proposals. Um, so we could um, interact with our customers through proposal software. Um, we could adjust in real time <clears throat> the things that they want to see. You know, if they call and say, "Hey, I want to know more about this piece of equipment," or you know, Powerwall or Generac or another company, um, we could toss them a video that is um, has a bunch of educational points for them in there. Um, we also <clears throat> we also really transition to virtual sales. Um, you know, um, we we spent four months or so with zero contact with customers on the sales side. We were using everything from Teams to Zoom, even FaceTime, um, FaceTiming clients clients while they're in their home, so we can gather information from their home during the sales call. Um, you know, taking pic screenshots on FaceTime of their electric panel or their rooftop or um, you know, their closets or attics. Um, and and gen generally customers were, um, were okay with that stuff. Um, you know, some, some had a lot of technical difficulties, so it was tough, but we, we, really, we really switched how we educated so that we could do it from our own home or from our office while those customers are in home. California. Um, Kelly, how has residential solar business looked for your team in the last year? I'm sorry, could you say that again? You're a little bit broken up. Business looked for your team since March of last year. Oh, since last year? You know, it goes somewhat of what the, the last gentleman just said. Uh, obviously, last year was all about COVID. Uh, when Governor Newsom out here in California, uh, I, I won't quite forget it. It was a Thursday afternoon, and he shut the whole state down immediately. And, of course, we got all of our primaries and started making plans. So what do we do? What are we going to do now? And obviously, if everything is closed down and we can't work, and we're going to have a problem. So we... Uh, we went in a, a hyperdrive to try to figure out a solution. We, we immediately, uh, we're all throughout the state of California, by the way, San Diego, L.A., Riverside, up in the whole Bay Area, et cetera, Sacramento. And um, uh, unfortunately, all the different AHKs or building departments had their own COVID worries and came up with their own COVID plans. So we, we and there's probably 100 different building departments in California that we deal with. And so we had to sort out through each and every one of them how we were going to work with them once they got themselves situated. And so always took a couple of weeks. Um, we got ourselves declared as essential workers because people need their air conditioning on and if they don't have their, their power working and their solar working and their battery working, uh, that could be a problem. So we got strength as essential workers within a week. So we could go out and do the work. So that helped us out. Um, and then the AHAs just got weird. One, For example, one building department, 
on the Desto, I think it was, you had to put your plans in like underneath the door. And if you looked in the door, you saw these piles of plans. No one would touch them for three days because they figured it was three days that they had germs on them, the germs would be gone by then. And then they would decide to look at it like one at a time. So it was very difficult to get um, your permits from a lot of places. But we pushed through wow. and looked as much as we could. And we built as much as we could at that time. And uh, while this was happening, our market exploded sales-wise, just completely exploded. We went up somewhere between 50 and 75% a month from the year previous. And, of course, we've been going every year pretty rapidly, but it just went crazy. So we were selling all this batteries and, and solar, et cetera. We also do roofs and some HVAC, um, but mostly solar and batteries. And... But we couldn't install it. We could only sell about half of what we were selling compared to normal because of different putting the pockets and we're having their own wonderful time. So that began to loosen up probably in August and September. And it's still it's still a little funky out there, but it's loosened up far more this year. And uh so all in all, you know, we entered this year with a very big backlog because we couldn't install it all last year with the I guess since quarter one is all exactly the best solar quarter. Didn't hurt us. We're kind of enjoying the fact that we have all this work to do right now, and we're finally getting to do it. Um, but it was obviously a roller coaster ride, and I'm sure everybody on this call knows. And uh, uh, thank God that he gave us some positivity during this negative time. And uh, and so at this moment in time, we're sailing along, hoping everybody gets full of vaccine and we get back to life. Yeah, definitely. That that. Uh... <laughs> note about the building permit plans having to sit there for three days is really something <laughs> um so you couldn't help it out at the time it was it, it, we told the story to all of our people all the time and we also told our, our sales people to tell it to the customers so the customers had a clue like it isn't just the fact that COVID's out there and everybody knows that but you know, and again i'm sure everybody on this call understands it we have six to seven hundred employees throughout the state one guy would get COVID or he could call him on Monday saying, I think I have it, which in California is enough to give him a week off of pay or two weeks off of pay. And anybody he spoke to in the last week, they all want to take time off too because he, he might have it. And so, you know, every day you're, you're fighting that fire. We still fight that fire a little bit, but probably all need to get help and get back around. Wow. All right. Um, how about... Chris, um, did your team see more demand for storage in the past year because of all these reasons? No, yeah. First, first off, thank you, Kelsey, for the opportunity to talk today. And yes, as, as Nate said, there's all those natural disasters um, you know, in the U.S. It felt like we had a lot of those here in Nashville. I created just a quick list. Uh, we, you know, and then COVID time's kind of weird because this whole year went by, and it's even hard to think back what the beginning of the year was. But in Nashville, we had a tornado. We had extreme straight line winds two months after that. And then we had a bombing at the end of the year. And then, oh yeah, by the way, we had the pan pandemic. We had this big national cyber breach and all these other things going on. So it really, for a lot of reasons, both climate, security, and everything else, people were starting to think about storage. And, oh, by the way, we lost net metering, or actually we had a feed-in tariff here. So we were already making the transition to storage anyway, but now the whole mindset really changed where now solar isn't just kilowatt hours. Uh, solar now can be my kilowatt hours and kilowatts too. So, so we focused a lot on on not just the the green, the sustainable aspect, but we we focused a lot on 
the resiliency aspect and what comes with that is the independence aspect. So we've seen a big shift in customer mindset. Now have, have our customers shifted a little bit too? Absolutely because of just the change in regulations. But our organic demand for storage because of all these things going on has absolutely taken off. Um, but, you know, even aside just from, um, you know, the loss of the net metering and what we have there. So. Okay. And what software are you guys using to design battery-based systems? You know, I think, uh, you know, you ask about, is it is it software or, again, are we, we trying to, to really instill a new mindset with, with the customers? Because now, you really, and I go back to a little bit of what Nate was saying and what Kelly was saying with the education aspect is, when we add resiliency to this, our our, our biggest goal is really to educate the customers. So we have to talk to them about, well, how much storage do you need? Well, I don't know, what are your loads? Uh, how much are you gonna use? What do you want backed up in, in an outage? What, what does that look like? Or, you know, we're doing daily cycling too. So, you know, what, what is your, your demand versus usage? So we're having to use, you know, a lot of, even just for residential customers, more, you know, real-time data uh, analysis to look at what their demand is and see, you know, what systems are going to be there. So there's a number of tools that we use in that, but the biggest one up front is the education aspect of really empowering the people to say that, hey, what, what we're going to give you is like mile per gallon gauge on your car. So you can see, you know, how much you have or, or you know, the better analogy is your EV, you know, what your miles to go is, how much battery you have, and you have to manage that. And so, we're, we're again using the education, using a lot of videos. We're doing a lot of webinars with our customers. So we we have a every couple of months a webinar that we put up, out for our customers to talk through this and kind of go through some of these things. And then again, since we we can't do it live and can't all be together, we've had some customers who've been gracious enough to allow us to to shoot some videos as portions of those webinars. There again, part of just the broader education aspect of what we're looking at doing. All right, that's really cool. Um, Nate, working right off of that, do you find that a lot of your potential customers have kind of a wrong impression of what storage is and, and maybe they think that their whole home is gonna be backed up for like a month with one power wall? Um, yes, we, there are still plenty of folks that feel that way or, or think that way. I will say over the last, Three years, you know, you know, three years ago, kind of being the beginning of this of the shift to storage, or a lot of focus on storage. Absolutely, at that point, um, you know, I think most people thought that if you get, you know, a battery, you're good to go in a power outage, and and you know, no worries about what store, how much storage you have. Um, you know, it's it's kind of similar to. Um, you know, a, a lot of folks even still today, um, think that if you have solar, um, you have power when the power goes out. Um, so, you know, there's still education left from, from way back for that stuff. I would, but, um, I think more and more these days, people do understand at least a little bit of the intricacies of having solar plus storage at their home. Um, I think part of that is because there's there's more education on the internet these days for people to look at. Look at. Um, I think that you know specifically, um, Revision Energy and some of the other contractors in our region have done a really good job of educating and doing webinars um, to 
um, kind of educate the broader public, not just the people we're talking to in their homes. Um, so yes, absolutely. There's a there's a group of people that we do need to start the conversation right at the beginning. From you know when the power goes out, you can't live as though the power is on. Um, and I think that's kind of like the first good sentence or two to say to somebody when they're talking about or thinking about solar plus storage. Um, so we've. Um, you know, like I said before, we're, we're, we're educators. And one of the things that we've developed in order to educate our homeowners is to be able to put, um, present them with what, um, um, you know, basically giving, giving them the tools to educate themselves during the sales process. So one of the things that we'll do for, for certain customers, not all, but certain customers is actually present them with a list of circuits in their own home and have them tell us, hey, what do you want? When the power goes out, what do you need? Um, and, and typically, not all the time, but typically, they need everything. That's their first pass through, right? Um, and by the time they get down to the bottom of this list, you know, we say, okay, well, you're going to need, say, you know, if we're talking power walls, you're going to need seven power walls to do this um, and associate a cost with that. And that pretty quickly um, educates them enough to pare down that list. Um, so a lot of times we let them self-select those things and then educate them through the design process so that they aren't picking hairdryer as an essential need during a power outage. Um, you know, it's it's lights, it's well pumps, it's heating, um, the essentials. So we're we're educating them on what is essential to them, um, especially in Maine, New Hampshire, and, and in Massachusetts too, um, and a lot of the north northeast. A lot of people have generators, um, and and a lot of people do think that if I have a battery, that's going to replace my generator. You know, a 10 kilowatt generator is not going to do the same as a battery or two in their home. So we do have to kind of. Um, educate the different, educate them on the difference there. Um, it is easier these days, especially in the last year, maybe year and a half. Um, it's easier for folks to understand those differences, I think, because we're a little further along in the education process with batteries. Um, it's not such a leap to go from your 10 kilowatt generator with an ATS on it to a two power wall system in your home um, and what those differences are. Um, so, so yeah, you know, it, it's still happening. I think it will happen for a very long time that people, you know, have that misconception that, a, you know, a single battery or two batteries will let them live as if there's power all the time. Um, but it's small increments to get there. Um, I think just very similar to the small increments over time, even the last 10 or 15 years on what solar is and how solar works for them at home. We're, we're just starting that conversation over the last couple of years with batteries now. Awesome. Um, Kelly, are you doing a lot of storage retrofits on existing solar projects, or are you seeing that most of your projects are going in with solar at the same time? You know, I think we're, I think we're doing a, um, a similar amount of both. You know, California is its own country just about, and has its own vagaries. So as, as far as batteries go, um, we have something here, I don't know if it's everywhere, but there's something called S-Chip that is a, a, an extra rebate besides the tax credit, et cetera, 
for batteries, and it, it pretty much covers the cost of a battery or two or three or five, depending upon what your needs are. If you want to get five batteries, you have to show uh, in extreme usage before, uh, on your bill before they get the rebate on it. If you have a well uh, that could go down with no power, they can get free batteries. If you have any kind of medical baseline, a CPAP machine, anything like that, you can get essentially free batteries. So that's just made batteries completely explode. Now, a lot of people that call for those free batteries didn't have any solar, and they needed solar to power the batteries. So they, of course, we sold them solar and batteries. Another thing we have here in the state is wildfires. And a couple of years ago, when they had the Paradise Fire, which killed a bunch of people, it's horrible and ran through these towns and took the entire towns out up in Northern California. The, the utilities went to the utility commission and said, hey, we need to, because they got blamed and they had to pay for all this stuff, they said, we need to be able to turn the power off the winds get high. Because when the winds get high and a fire starts for whatever reason, that's what becomes a wildfire. And they got that approved. And not only in Northern California, where it was in more trouble to have that stuff, even down where I live in Southern California, uh, some of the places that are a little more rural were allowed to do the same thing. So once the newspaper headlines, and this was like not too long before the pandemic started, uh, the headlines in your paper would read, your power could be turned off for five hours or five days at any time. No, you have no say in the matter during high winds. And the phones rang off the hook. And everyone called and said, I want some of these power walls, which we do a lot of. And uh, so... That kind of make the whole battery thing take off, but a lot of them didn't have solar, so they had to buy solar in to kind of even it up. I was looking at last week's number. Last week, we installed 114 solar jobs, solar panel jobs, and we installed 98 batteries besides that. Some of those batteries were on the solar jobs, and some of those batteries were um, just individually battery-only jobs, anywhere from, like I said, 1 to 10 or whatever, depending on what you can get based on your bill um, and based on if you have any of these magical... Uh, pieces that I mentioned to get essentially free batteries. So um, I, we still install a little more solar plus battery, but we install an awful lot of batteries only, too. Super interesting. Um, as far as customer education, going back to people know more about the mechanics of solar and storage now, but um, Chris, are you finding that solar customers are also more educated on brand and product choices? for solar and storage? Sometimes enough to be dangerous, yes. Um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a role. And what you, what you keep hearing here is education, 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 because it, it is a different animal. And right now, especially in the age of Facebook, um, they're being inundated with ads. And these ads are very quick, you know, three, three line ads. Hey, why don't you try this? So they, they don't know exactly what it does, what it is. But, you know, again, we see it as our job to Help, help work through that. So yes, you, you saw an in-phase ad and, and you wanna look at that. Okay, we can do that, let's look through that. Or they saw a power wall or whatever. You know, we, we go through all that with them. And you know, the, the interesting thing is this space and storage is changing so fast that, you know, again, you look just a year ago where we were, where we're at now, and already where we know we're gonna be at the end of this year, that the technology is changing very quickly. So. You know, I think we as the industry are trying really hard and need to try really hard to kind of stay up with everything. And that's where, you know, I know we're working with the manufacturers on just, hey, what's the latest? How is this used? But not only there, but a lot of this kind of follows through with utilities too. So as much of our job, 
with the customers that we have for education is just as much with the utilities because all of a sudden they had the solar that as soon as the, the, the power went out, they knew, hey, no problem, the solar's down, I can work on the lines. Well, now storage is a very scary element for them because you know, like generators, they see that it's connected, but it's not got an automatic transfer switch between them and the house anymore. It's this, this parallel system. So, so we're, we're spending a lot of time and have spent a lot of time uh, in the last year working through those standards and and working on how they're commissioned, how they're tested, and what's there. And as the products have come out, we, we basically had to go almost product-specific with uh, utilities to say, okay, when you come out and test this, commission this, or when we commission it and you, you inspect it, this is what you're going to see and this is how it works. So so it's gone, gone both ways and in, in really uh, – you know, is important to make sure that we get both both are really all sides of that equation care of. Definitely. Um, Kelly, are you, I mean, I would think that California is even more, um, customers have even a better idea and are more targeted with ads there with specific products. Are you seeing people coming to you with an exact game plan of what products they want? Yeah, you know, we're not as saturated as probably Hawaii and some other areas, I guess. Um, I know that they're very saturated. Uh, we mass market, which is how we get, you know, with our size, we, we have to keep the engine chugging. And uh, we probably still spend a million dollars a month. We do spend a million dollars a month in marketing. So we're touching all over the place, whether it's an infomercial after golf on Sundays or TV commercial on Fox News or CNN or radio or you name it, right? Probably going to be doing most of that. But because of that, we touch so many people. They, they typically say, okay, listen, you're one of three or one of five that's coming to see me. They already right up off the bat say, I want you guys to come out. I'm a former Marine captain, and Semper Solaris came from the word Semper Fi, and somebody kind of in, in, in California's a bit of a, you know, we call it a Navy or a military uh, state, and somebody kind of figures it's got, you know, maybe has some military bearing to it, maybe some military background, people like that. So they tend to have us be one of the three to five, but we're always in competition with, with, with people across the state. And uh, people, when they get to us, they already know a lot. I mean, they want us to be the educators. Obviously, as I've heard on this call, we're doing the same thing as some of the other guys are. So we're always educating in the house. And uh, but they're, they're very astute. And if I just think back to, you know, we incorporated about 10 years, 9, 10 years ago. And if I think back to the early days, then uh, people didn't have a clue. And when we got to uh, in the San Diego market to start with, Yeah. Maybe lost them. A one-made panel, oh. or not a one-made panel, right? And, and so... Uh, Kelly, can you, can you backtrack all, a little all. bit? We lost you for a second. I'm sorry, can you say that again? Um, can you repeat, like, the last portion of what you said? We lost you for a couple seconds. Want me to repeat what I was just talking about? Yes, please. Thank you. Okay, sorry. Again, you're a little, you're a little, you're a little fuzzy on me. Um, yeah, so when we first opened a decade ago, Everybody where I'm from in Southern California, all the solar companies, because we work for some other solar company, so we started our own thing. They, we all using Chinese panels or whatever the cheapest thing we possibly could get was because customers didn't know and didn't care, I guess. We, we began to market, we were only going to use panels made by American companies. 
Um, that was the Marine in me, by the way. It wasn't really much anything else. Plus, I felt that we had better quality on those panels, uh, whether they were SunTower or, you know, name your brand. And, and it's interesting because it's just a few years later, you'd walk in the house and people would say, no, I don't want, by the way, I know I don't want, say, Chinese panels or something, other panels. I want them made in America, et cetera. And this is all before, you know, 2016. I mean, that kind of stuff was going on. Um, but now people totally know to answer your original question. They know within two brands of the brand that they want when we're in the house. So yeah, it's a, it's not overly saturated for still having an awful lot of people, you know, uh, install solar and batteries and everything else too. Thank God. But it definitely, they're, they're astute now. It's a completely different mindset than it was 10 years ago. Absolutely. Um, so, Nate, along with those that product knowledge, do you think that residential customers are super focused on aesthetics, and um, or is it more performance these days? Is it looks or or the energy? Yeah, that's an interesting question because it's been a it's been a shift. You know, um, in my experience, say seven eight years ago, doing in home solar sales with Revision Energy, the aesthetics question was. Um, um, or the comment was, can you put it on the back of my house? Because I don't want to see it. Um, while that happens occasionally still these days, I think the aesthetics conversation is more like, can you put it on the front of my house? Because I want everybody to see it. So that's a really awesome shift that has happened. And I think mostly because people see it more. There's, it, it is no longer the fact that, you know, the idea that you drive down the road and you look at somebody's roof and you say, what is that thing on their roof? Um, you know, seven, eight, ten years ago in the Northeast, that was a question people had, but that's that's no longer. Um, and I, and I think that that generally the the aesthetics part of it um, these days, um, you know, I, I think people do want to see it. They do want to show off their investment. They do want to let people know that they care about about the environment um, or that they're um, financially responsible. Um, so the aesthetics conversation really has shifted. There are totally people who care about the aesthetics and what it looks like. Um, you know, the nice thing is that, especially with um, 60 cell panels, we're finding that just about everything is available in a black frame, which absolutely helps the aesthetics conversation. A lot of times we're pairing that black frame with black rail as well, which does, you know, it's a very small uptick in a positive way as far as aesthetics go, but something that a lot of customers care about. Um, you know, obviously all black panels, um, especially premium panel, goes a long way with the right demographic, right? Um, so when it comes to production, um, that's a different conversation too. Um, yes, absolutely. Most people want to make as much power on their roof as they can. Um, the big thing about production these days in, in our area is due to um, fire code setbacks. Um, not every town and not every state um, is has adopted those fire code setbacks, but absolutely in the in the more urban areas that has happened. And it makes absolute sense to pack as much power on their limited roof space as we possibly can. Um, and we try to, we absolutely try to marry the, you know, high production with a nice looking system, not, not just a nice looking panel, um, 
but a nice looking system on their roof. Not, you know, some people are okay with a Tetris like, like design. Most people are not. So we try to start with something that's going to look nice as as often as we can. Um, and you know, we have to figure out what that person's goal is early on in the sales process in order to get our design correct for them. You know, we want to know if they care what it looks like. We want to know if their goal is 100% offset or, you know, their dream of having an EB in a year or two years and preparing for that stuff. Um, the other thing that we're doing to take care of both of the aesthetic question, um, especially in the negative connotation to aesthetics um, and production because of fire code setbacks or, you know, roofs aren't big enough to um, support the growing demand for electricity as, as we electrify everything in everybody's home these days. Um, we, we have um, not made a shift, but added the com community solar farm product um, to our product list. So, um, you know, did a couple of different models there, but community solar, like subscription solar, you know, you pay a little bit less each month um, rather than paying your utility, you pay a little bit less each month because you're part of a community solar farm. Um, also 25D models, that's what we call them, or true ownership model uh, community solar farms where, um, you know, they actually own a piece of the array. They take advantage of the tax credit. They take advantage um, of all of the production, 100% net metered, here, here we are in the Northeast. So, you know, all of those, all of those things are helping solve those questions. And there, and, the, and there is no one right answer for anybody. It, it takes a lot of, um, a lot of conversation, especially at the beginning of the sales product, on, on what it mean, what means the most to that customer. And we try to tailor it as best we can for those folks. Totally. You touched on a lot of uh, points that we, me, Kelly, and Billy write about in our upcoming issue, um, which is the residential issue. And um, uh, most of the installers we talk to are doing all black, just sleek as possible, nice installations. So um, that's, that's cool to hear from you, too. Um, Chris, moving to another piece of the array um, that I'm super interested in. What is the status of rapid shutdown requirements in your um, area in Tennessee that you serve? Sure, and we're we're outside of Tennessee, so we kind of serve a, a seven-state region around here and, and other places too. But uh, largely, everything has gone to module-level rapid shutdown. So you know, it's it's not even a conversation for us anymore. It's just we just put it in its plan. And I think you know the interesting thing to that is if we were talking two years ago, it's kind of like, oh, which way should we go? You know, do we, we go with like a solar edge system or do we put a Tygo on, on this other system or what do we do? That's largely not a conversation anymore. So the, the rapid shutdown now is kind of a, a secondary, even a tertiary conversation of, of what device we use after we figure out how to size the system and what solar inverter and ultimately what storage we use on the system. And, you know, back to what I was saying earlier, the, the larger thing we're dealing with now is, is yes, I've got module-level rapid shutdown and inverters that, you know, are known and understood, but this whole battery technology and how it shuts down, how it's safe, or how it disconnects from the utility is really the next thing, for, I think, for us to overcome more as an industry just on the education because there's so many different pieces of the system and knowing how to do that and what, what's to be expected has, has been a larger portion of the conversation for us. Okay, um, that sort of 
leads me to look at one of the questions that came in, which is um, given supply issues with certain battery manufacturers, are companies offering multiple options or simply letting clients know it may take a while to get the product? What's your stance on that? Um, both. <laughs> so, because it's it, it has been an interesting year with demand for different products at different places, and it, it really just depends on the customer. If you know, we had a lot of people that really wanted something in before the election last year, so it's kind of okay. Tell me what's off the shelf. That's what I'm good with and and what I want in. Others want the longer term. Hey, this is what I really want to achieve, and this is what I do. And I think maybe Nate Nate mentioned. Uh, EVs and that earlier too. There's there's a broader discussion that's happening around solar and storage and EVs altogether, and you know I think that's that's a piece of it too. Is that this is not just a you know like like was said earlier too a, a standby generator. This is now kind of changing how you're going to be using energy because we're going to give you the tools not only to supply your own energy from your solar array, but you're going to have all the tools now to be able to manage your energy as well both day-to-day -day and in an outage. So, you know, the, the weird thing, and it's it's an odd paradigm shift for us, is we've got a lot of customers right now, this this week and last week, that are these shoulder months where they're generating way more than they can use, and we don't have the net metering for a buyback. So we said, well, use it. Plug in your car. Turn down your air conditioning. You know, figure out how, how you can change your demands inside your house or your home to better fit that solar curve. So, you know, the... the answer to the question then really comes down to is someone looking just for resiliency or is someone looking for kind of the longer term, I'm going to change the way I think about energy and then, you know, what they want to invest in uh, for that equipment. All right. Absolutely. Um, I guess for our last uh, question, I'd like the three of you to just let me know what do you expect the residential solar plus storage market to look like in the next year? Um, Kelly, if you want to start us off. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, again, I would like to say thank you for the time, but we see the role, we see the role right off of the, uh, you know, the COVID year and the big backlog for the reasons I stated earlier. Uh, so we have that in the first quarter, which we typically don't have, to really muscle in us through. Sales are still off the charts. I hate to not say that out loud climate-wise, but we have 50% month uh, year over year in the first two months of the year. In fact, we're going to be right about there in March as well. So it's starting out great. Um, we obviously have a very green administration. I can't see that hurting us. I can only see it helping us. But again, extending I can see for another, you know, a couple of years or even more years would be nice. I'm sure everybody on this phone call would agree. Uh, we got the extra two years before uh, before the end of the year, which was a complete shock to me. And uh, I don't see a lot of things in our way. Uh, the economy continues to seem to somewhat hum along. The stimulus money uh, it probably won't, won't hurt that. And... Uh, I think I think that's in clear selling for a while. I don't think the ITC ends in two years or so. That'll be a challenge for all what to deal with at that time, but batteries are huge. Um, to comment on 
uh, what's it like to not be able to get some of those products these days. Everybody knows Texas having some trouble getting it out. I guess it's all caught up in that whole, you know, they can't get certain semiconductors or chips because there's a shortage in the world for that stuff because the economy coming along so well. But I believe uh, Elon Musk is making his own chip plants. So that, that should stop that. I do have all the other vendors coming at me for batteries asking me if I want to use their battery. We've still been able, to, been able to get some Tesla batteries, so I haven't really gone that direction too much yet. We do sell some other batteries here and there, LG10, et cetera, and Phase has approached us with their battery. Uh, I think we can probably see more and more batteries come at us. Unfortunately, I'll seem to be the same price. And no one's coming at me with a, a real cheaper battery that I trust. But um, the products are good. Uh, the customers like it. It just seems, I mean, we're all green here because we're on this phone call. But it just seems even those people that might not even care about green five years ago are caring about it everywhere. So mm-hmm. uh, it looks good. I mean, I think it looks good. What do you guys think? This is this is Chris. If if uh, any manufacturers are listening, please ramp up production. It's not going down anytime soon. So, yeah, I I feel the same way. Um, you know, I occasionally get to attend our um, shop residential sales meetings and did a couple of this week. Um, and and separately, two different shops. Um, people said that we are about to see a giant boom and that you know that's just the residential sales team saying what what they're feeling from customers what you know and that that um comment is coming from um not from our leads but from who they've talked to in the last one two five eight years um people coming out of the woodwork right now um, really swamping our sales teams from past inquiries. So, um, yes, I absolutely think that solar, especially this year, and I'm sure next year too, right through you know the tax credit, is just going to be going gangbusters. Um, so, yes, I'd echo Chris comments to the, to the manufacturers there. Um, when it comes to solar, uh, when it comes to storage. Um, you know, while solar is kind of doing a, a nice upward trajectory, and I think we'll continue to do that, um, the battery one is a hockey stick, and it's and it has been a hockey stick. It will continue to be a hockey stick. Um, you know, in looking at our sales over the last six months or so, um, you know, our our increase in battery sales year over year and year over two years is incredible. Um, it blows out the blows away the percentage for solar. Yeah, sure. You know, you start to if you look back two three years ago, you know, percentage of battery battery sales are small. So even a small uptick can really generate that hockey stick. Um, but we have been installing a ton of batteries over the last couple of years, um, and we don't see any signs of stopping. Um, you know, it, it is just uh, our our biggest growth potential, and I think will continue to be our biggest growth potential probably over the next couple of years, even while um, the solar incentives are, are really great and you know solar adoption is still really trekking along hard. Um, we're, we're seeing solar plus storage all the time. Um, and the, at, the, at the time that someone's investing in solar, also investing in storage, but also so many people coming back to add batteries to their existing systems. It's just, it's really going nuts. Um, and, and I just hope that the supply can keep up with the demand. Um, I know we're, we are currently in a bit of a supply issue with some battery manufacturers, um, though it sounds like there's some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but everybody here on this call, you know, Chris and Kelly, 
plenty of other contractors that are listening, you know that um, storage is just going crazy. Um, so we're all we're all competing against each other for that supply, um, and I hope that we're able to all benefit from it. Um, and, you know, not just the companies but the customers that are looking for that stuff. Um, as long as it's available, we're going to be able to install it like crazy. Great, thank you. Um, we had a couple of more interesting questions come in. Uh, the first one, someone's asking about the potential impact of V2G specifically versus de dedicated batteries. Um, Chris, did you want to answer that question? Sure. We, we've just start, started that conversation with some utilities, and this goes back to the utility discussion, and, and V2G is vehicle to grid. So all of a sudden, I've got this you know, 60, 80 kilowatt hour battery in the car in the garage, and maybe I want a bi-directional charger. Maybe I want to use that energy, or maybe I want to put it in the car. And it's a very interesting concept, and technically, you know, everything's there to make it make sense. The but is all of a sudden, you start making each charging station um, a potential supply source for kilowatt hours. So now if I've got a generator at every vehicle charging station, I potentially have an interconnection agreement and interconnection standards there that the utilities are gonna want. So there's, there's technically, again, a lot of things to be said for that, but just from a regulatory standpoint, you know, and this is kind of what I echoed, or to echo what I said earlier, I think there's a lot of catching up to do because the technology is changing a lot faster than the utilities know how to necessarily deal with it. So, so I, I definitely see it coming. I see, you know, the, the option for that. And, you know, a lot of people saying, Hey, why would I put it on the power walls? I've got my, my car there to, to, to use that storage. But, but I think we're going to have that other hurdle of the regulators to get over before we start to see that more in a mass market. I think generally you, you will absolutely see it in maybe, locations that could be considered an, uh, an interconnection point, but, but maybe be broader. And I don't know if the others have, have ventured into the vehicle to grid at all yet, but, but that's at least what I'm seeing on the, on the start of the conversation with us. Okay. Um, and then another um, question came in, any feelings on the increase of lead generation companies saturating the market online versus internal company marketing? You know, it's a, it, it, it's a tough question to answer, um, mostly because I think generally they're two different companies. Um, I'm, maybe I'm not exactly sure what the question is, um, is asking, but, um, you know, uh, personally, you know, our, our business is internal. Um, you know, it's grassroots. It is not advertisements. It's it's not commercials. Um, though there there are plenty out there. Um, you know, I I think that the um, the the bigger companies doing you know massive online marketing or massive media marketing. Um, they absolutely serve a purpose. I mean, that is widespread education, and if it's done well. It benefits everybody, um, so I would I would never turn my nose up at that type of marketing. Um, you know, it, it it just it appeals to so many people. It touches so many people that is absolutely worthwhile um, for the whole industry. 
Um, you know, when it comes to internal company marketing um, or grassroots marketing um, or community marketing, that type of stuff, I, I think that's where it really hits home. Um, that is like the next level of education, I think. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's it, it, both styles are absolutely suitable to the industry and, and both are necessary at this time, in my opinion. All right. Cool. Thank you so much. Um, and thanks to Nate. Thank you, Kelly and Chris, for joining our discussion today. Um, thank you to everyone in the audience for watching. Um, please join us for our next round table, round table in April, where we'll talk about solar plus storage in the age of emergencies. Some more, because we did talk about that a little bit today. Um, you can visit solarpowerworldonline.com to see the full list of upcoming roundtables and apply for this year's top solar contractors list. Um, all U.S. solar installers of any size are welcome to apply. Thank you again for watching, and I hope everyone has a great rest of their day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate it.